turns out, team. Well, who is excited about the possibility of us coming back to church a lot sooner than what we imagined? Tell me in the comments who is excited, who is ready to come back to in-person services very soon. In the next couple of weeks, like Ben said, we will let you know There's a couple more things that we just need to plan out so that our return to church is going to be amazing. Hannah Tucker, she's ready. We'll be able to meet Poppy when she comes back as well as Evie as well. So uh, there is going to be so many things that are just, we've all missed in the last 18, however many weeks that it's been. And uh, we are excited to gather together and be back in the house. Well, this morning... It's been a long time since I've had the opportunity to preach. Um, There's been a lot locked down. Uh, There's been our big surprise of having a baby, all of those kind of things. Um, So it's kind of hindered me with preaching with the kids and those kind of things. But uh, this morning I'm going to bring a word and I've got somebody who's here that they're going to help me out. But um, this morning I'm going to bring a message called People of Hope. And I think we've all just been in a situation of, 17, 18 weeks of lockdown and uh, it has been such a crazy time. It's been a tough time. It's been a miserable time. It's been a great time for some people as well and, um, you know, through that time we've all needed a bit of hope and um, I want to invite this morning the fabulous Jamie Happel and he's going to come and I'm going to interview Jamie because I really feel like, well, hold... Firstly, it's probably been about 19 or 20 weeks since the last time we saw you. The last time we saw you was at Flip Out. Yes, yeah, it's been a very long time, so um, (laughs) I'm very happy to be here in person, looking forward to coming back, so... And um, how have you guys survived lockdown? Um, It's kind of been a blur, I don't know about you, (laughs) but it feels like it's been an absolute blur. I mean, COVID, man, I'm so sick of that guy, like I'm... I'm just sick of COVID. Um, I was excited to leave the the house this morning, and um, you know how have I survived? I've just um, I obviously I'm an essential worker. I've had to keep doing what I'm doing, so I haven't stopped working, haven't stopped seeing people. But um, you know, it's been it's been a good time. Um, I think for us, for as a family, you know what I mean. And I think that we can't forget how privileged we are to, yeah. to live in Australia, to live where we do, to live in a country where, um, you know, we have been affected by COVID, but it, it sort of hasn't really infiltrated my life or the people that I know around me, I guess my, my circle of support, yeah. if, if that makes sense. But I have seen it impact a lot of people. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to coming out of it. I'm looking forward to normality. Um, you know, Emma and I went to the shops the other day for the first time which was really nice um, and, uh, yeah, it's good. And I'm just sick of hearing the words, yeah. you know, that we keep hearing lockdown, vaccinated, double vaccinated. Yeah. Um, I'm hoping to never hear those words no, ever again in my life. No, but, no. <laughs> you know, it's the new normal and we're here. And, um, yeah, I'm happy to be here yeah. this morning. So. so I guess I've got a couple of questions for you this morning. We've kind of already not talked about we've talked about it. But talking about being an essential worker, in your line of work, maybe just if you want to explain what it is that you do, but 
I guess in your line of work over this period of time of, you know, being in lockdown and those kind of things, but also prior to that, you know, um, you've been able to observe people who are in, lost and in despair, but through your position and your passion, you've been able to bring a level of hope, in particular to young people and to their families. Tell us what it is that you do and how you've seen or been able to bring hope into this environment. Um, yeah, so, so I work in a, a thing called um, functional family therapy. So I work with families that have been, um, I guess, are on the brink of possibly losing their children. Um, so I'm really working on that pointy end of child protection. protection. So you look, you're thinking about a lot of people that have lost a lot of hope um, and you're working with a lot of hopeless people. And, I mean, it's difficult work, but it's inspiring work. Um, it's been difficult, I guess, during the last few months, even prior to lockdown, it's been difficult. I'm working with lots of families that have contracted COVID, so that has been um, a difficult time. And I guess um, how I've worked with them, I guess, to inspire hope is when I work with them, I have a little bit of a theme um, when, I, when I work with families, and that's that I'm relentless. I'm probably possibly annoying to them um, when I work with them because I don't leave them alone. I SMS a lot of my families almost every day of the week. I call them constantly. I go there. I drop hampers. I do a lot of groundwork with them, I guess, to engage them and really, um, you know, get them to do something and get them to a place where they think they could never be. Um, it's quite difficult to see people that have experienced high amounts of trauma. Um, and I guess that, you know, me as a person and my faith, my background – a lot of the thing that I, I work with them is I work fairly authentically. A lot of the time when you're working with families, you realise that they're not too dissimilar to you. They're not too dissimilar to us. We're only one step away from things happening in our lives at any stage. So I really bring a lot of my faith. I don't shy about the fact that I'm a Christian at, at work. Um, you know, uh, we ask ourselves a question um, every day, you know, um, before we start, our team gets together and we say, who, who are you going to ask for help? And I always say, I'm going to ask the main man upstairs and everyone always laughs. But, you know, it, there's times throughout my day where like, I'll catch myself before I go and drop something at a, at, a, at a house or I go and engage with the family. I often pray and I do it fairly purposefully. So yeah. um, it's hard to see people hurting you know, it's very hard to see people that are in um, despair and that have had just massive amounts of stuff happen in their life. And it seems like whatever corner they've turned, there's been barriers to them living a fruitful life. And it can be through domestic violence. It can be through neglect. It can be just circumstances. It can be through sickness. And, um, you know, getting to know these families and spending time with them like we see families restored, we see families not only surviving but thriving yeah. and um, that's amazing place to get to when you see kids that are enjoying spending time with their family and especially with fathers mm -hmm. that are smiling and that are happy to be at home. So it's that, that, that gives me hope every day yeah. in, in, in tough work. Yeah. So Yeah, wow, that's amazing. Um, my second question is, you've been through your own challenges in the recent years and tell us about being in that position, I guess. Um, yeah, look, um, that, that that's a, that's a, was obviously a time where I had to struggle to find hope. Um, 
a, a lot of you guys aware that, um, you know, uh, 2020 in January, well, it actually started, um, I guess, in December, I started feeling um, a sort of a stitch in my stomach. And um, I'd had a bit of family history where my dad had passed away from colon cancer, but I was um, doing lots of Christmas hampers and stuff uh, around um, 2020. And um, I felt this really bad stitch and I kind of felt like I wanted to vomit. I felt like I was hyperglycemic and I thought I should probably go and get myself checked. So I went and did a test and it was all okay, but something niggling um, at me knew that something wasn't right in my stomach. So I just... um, I went and booked in and got a colonoscopy, endoscopy, and then um, I thought it was all good. I was looking forward to, uh, like, a sandwich after it. Um, you know, you guys that have woken up from surgery, you get the nice little ham sandwich. Um, I was all sort of looking forward to that. And then they took me into this uh, room. This uh, room. They took me into this room, and um, I won't tell you the words I thought in my head at the time, but let's just say they they weren't great but yeah I went into this room and Emma and my mum came in we're sort of sitting there and um yeah the doctor came in I could just you know you get that look on his face and I was like oh here we go and then he just um there are things you hear in your life that are great you know like you ask your wife to marry you and she says yes you hear you're going to be a father you hear you've got a promotion you hear that you've got a loan, you hear that you're getting, um, you know, your friends are coming to, to God. But when you hear those three words, you have cancer, that's that's gut-wrenching, you know what I mean, for anyone. And I think that losing my father, um, all these thoughts of, um, you know, worry, despair, um, fear, like if you if you have known real fear, that's, that's fear in itself. And um, I have to... Um, give a shout out to everybody that was involved in, in my life during that time. Cause like you guys and Tony Bowden, if he's watching all the, all the guys like really helped to calm me down. Um, I was, I, I experienced a lot of fear and, um, you know, through all that, um, after we got all that, I guess I started to sort of pray, give it to God. And, um, I think take time to practice mindfulness take time to really reflect um, around what um, God was doing in me. And, um, you know, luckily I was healed. You know, luckily I got the the good news. I had two-thirds of my um, colon removed. I had, um, you know, eight months of chemotherapy, which was really tough. Um, and through all that time, I continued to work. I continued to go and see families. I can, continued to... Um, go and give people food hampers, um, and that was tough. I had times where I'd be seeing a family, um, talking to them about how they need to um, be connecting with their children and they need to take time in their day to to be praising and giving words of affirmations to their kids, and then I'd be going and vomiting in their driveway on the way out. So that was a, a difficult time, but I kind of just thought, well, if I keep working in sort of maintain some normality then um it would get better but as I stand here today I've had probably five to six different scans they've been all clear um everything's all good all glory to God it's all been fantastic and um you know if you're out there you're listening to this and you're thinking how do I maintain hope um during a time where you've got adversity and at the end of the day I looked at it and thought Everyone in their life has cancer. Mine just happened to be an actual physical tumour. Some people have a different sort of cancer in their life. It can be 
uh, hopelessness. It can be their past. It can be something that's robbing them of who God wants them to be. Mine just happened to be a tumour that was sitting in my gut that was pretty angry and pretty ugly and someone cut it out. And, and you know, often that, that's, that's, a, that's a theme, you know, for, for what sometimes happens in our own life is that, you know, there's things we need to cut out. And I think that God really um, showed up, you know, he really showed up. So I'd, I'd say to people, just, just keep believing and, um, you know, whatever that looks like, um, you know, give it to God. So Just being really real, was there at any point that you thought, I just can't do this anymore? Um, yeah, look, I think there's lots of points in our life where we do that anyway regardless of sickness there's times where I think it's it's easy to give up it's easy to to think I can't do it anymore you know um one of the things um I guess about cancer is that it's I I didn't really have many symptoms I didn't feel sick um and that's why often at time they call things the silent killer or, or things like that so and I guess that um one of the things that was hard was um chemo chemotherapy is a beast so it is um i think it's something that is very difficult to go through it can be soul destroying um it can be hard um i got chemotoxicity which means they put me on too high a dose so my hands and feet were burning really badly um and so that was really painful um my thumb stopped working it doesn't really work fantastic now but it it became um a little bit paralyzed during chemo so that was a that was a difficult time and I kind of like I guess I was thinking why is this happening to me at this age like what have I done wrong like should I have really ate that burger at Blacksland McDonald's like is that's what's done this um you know should I have been having more salads I don't I don't know like but I did I did um sort of like I guess you do you do easily lose hope but I think that um, one of the things that helped me, um, and um, Ben would know this, a lot of people would know this in our church especially, but I married very, very well. I married up, and I, 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 my wife has been such a strong um, rock during this time. Um, she was calm during the whole thing and um, really just demonstrated, I guess, um, you know, everything I could possibly want in a wife she is um uh, you know I love her to death inside and out Emma if you're watching but um I think that she was a real support um during that time um and my family my friends you guys at the church um you know it was a difficult time and I think that um it's a time that if you're going to run to God that that's the time you know what I mean like we should be running to God all the time but like I think when you're not left with a choice mm. um, other than to run to God, that's, um, that's, that's sort of where it ended up. So a lot of times I was driving out to the mountains and spending time praying, um, giving it to God. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, I'd, I'm lucky I'm here. Um, you know, I'm still able to go out and help people. I'm still able to continue to do what I do. So it, I'm, I'm happy. Yeah. So. What's the biggest thing that you've learned in your life, in the in your journey with young people that you know you work with? What is your what's the biggest thing that you've learned about hope? Um, I think that we can we can find hope no matter 
no matter what circumstance we're in. Um, some of the families that I've worked with, um, you know, it'd be very easy for them to give up. I sometimes will be quite honest with them and say, how can you keep going? Like, what makes you keep going? There's been so much stuff that's happened to them, whether or not they're a family that's been a refugee or um, they're a family that's, um, you know, had just amazing amounts of transgenerational trauma um, impact them, impact their brain. Um, I guess one of the things that has really um, made me learn is just that, you know, hope can show up in any circumstances, you know, and um, I really like, I really have tried to just show as much hope as I can working with families, like, and maintain that real, um, just being real and authentic with them, you know. So, yeah, that's probably just what I've learned, just to, you know, there's always hope. Yeah. Well, um, we are so grateful that you are one great friends of ours and uh, we're so grateful that you're part of this church and we're so grateful that you are here today to uh, share your story and um, you've you've lived through so much and uh, we're just so grateful for you. So thank you for coming today. Thank you, thank you. And um, everyone knows that um, Amy's actual birth name is Amy Hope, um, <laughs> so she should be an expert on this. She was born into hope and... Um, she lost hope when she <laughs> married Ben. <laughs> or she didn't. I don't know if you can hear the <laughs> laughter in the room, but yeah, uh, it's all good. I'll <laughs> see. I'll see you after. You. <laughs> uh, well, yes, that is true. I should know more than than a few people, but um, I just want to quickly bring you uh, three things that we can do to be people of hope, and the first one is stay connected to Jesus. Hebrews 6.19 says, We have this hope as an anchor for our soul, firm and secure. Now, when I think of this verse, I think of an image of a ship that is anchored at port and there can be at times a stormy, rough sea. And you see, the thing is, is that we, we can be that ship, we can be that boat. And uh, there are seasons that are going on, crises that are going on that are making us toss and turn within this rocky sea. And yet that anchor, that anchor is what holds us to the seabed and that anchor is hope and that seabed is Jesus. So it doesn't matter what you're going through. I've just, we've just talked about the last, you know, 17 weeks. For some people, it has been absolute turmoil. There have been situations that, you know, that you may have faced throughout lockdown. There are situations prior to that that you may have faced. And I want to encourage you this morning to be anchored into that seabed. Put your hope in Jesus. You can do this by praying, by worshipping, getting stuck into the Word of God and to be as close as possible to Him in every season so that when those storms do come, that you are firm and secure in Jesus. My second point this morning is speak hope into every situation and every season. In the book, Words Can Change Your Brain, it's stated that a single word has power to influence the expression of genes that regulate physical and emotional stress. You see, positive words can alter the expression of genes, strengthening areas in our frontal lobes and promoting the brain's cognitive functioning. 
They propel and the motivation, sorry, the motivational central of our brain into action and builds resilience. I don't know if you've had any opportunity where you've been able to sit with people who are facing a challenge. My question is to you, if you're sitting with somebody who's facing a crisis, what is it that you say in that moment? You know, we tend to speak hope. We tend to speak positivity. We tend to speak faith into those situations. And most of those times, although you may not think it, your words can change a situation around. But yet sometimes when we go through a personal challenge, we tend to, the first thing that we do is let the enemy into our mind and start to tell us lies. You can't do that. You're not going to make it through that. There's no way that you're going to win in this situation. There's no way. Just give up. But yet we firsthand when we have the opportunity to speak into crisis, is to be a positive word. But when it comes to our own situations, we tend to hear the lies. So we need to start speaking firsthand when we hit situations, when we hit crises. We need to start speaking positive into our, situ- into our seasons. Proverbs 18.21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And my last point this morning is to live a life being an example of hope. I love this where it says in Romans 12, 12, be joyful in hope. I often quote this, but Francis of Assisi says, preach the gospel at all times and use words if necessary. I love that because what that's saying is you don't have to go out there and you don't have to Bible bash people. We don't have to go out there and we don't have to um, stand on the street corners and, and, you know, preach to people. It's simply by the way that we live our life. We're gifted each morning a new day and we have the power to make it worthwhile or not. I don't know if you experienced this during lockdown, but um, there were days where in our house being Stuck in our house, there was normally three of us, if not four of us. Uh, Georgia still continued to send, uh, sorry, we continued to send Georgia to daycare. But it started to get to a point where we were so unmotivated. We were so just like, this is so frustrating, this is the worst, we are stuck together. I can say that there are at times that my husband really, really annoyed the life out of me. He could not handle lockdown, I think, probably more than anybody that I know. But there were times where our house was an absolute mess. We had no motivation. We weren't going anywhere. Nobody was coming over. The motivation to do anything, to do schoolwork, you know, our motivation just decreased. And we became negative And, you know, we had to sit down as a, Ben and I, we had to sit down and you know what, we had to say, well, actually it was more me saying to Ben, we we need to just make the most of this situation. There is nothing that we can do. It's all out of our hands. We have to make the most of this situation. And I want to tell you one thing, however long it's been that we've been in lockdown, it has actually been one of the best times for my marriage 
for my relationship with my children. We have seen so many things that have changed within Cooper to the point of this kid could never ride a bike prior to, refused to. He had issues with his confidence. He, we went out and we bought him a bike and he has never ridden a bike before. And within 10 minutes of picking up a bike, he's now riding a bike. So we made the most of that situation. We chose to be joyful. We chose to be positive in, in such a crazy situation. Our kids started to pick up on this vibe as well. And uh, he would often ask questions about, well, why can't we go to school? And why can't we do this? And why can't we do that? And uh, at some point it was, why is mum so cranky? Why is dad so cranky? And we had to understand that it was starting to affect not just us, but it was starting to affect the people that were around us. And, you know, this can be the same in our Christian walk. Every day we encounter unsaved people and they are watching us. And you may not know that, but they are watching us. Even if they don't know that you are a Christian, they can still be watching us. I want to ask you a question this morning. Are you really, do you really think about the way that you sell the love of Jesus? Are you walking around out there interacting with your family, your friends, your co-workers? Do you have a negative language? Are you dis, do you have a dishonouring behaviour? Are you selfish and are you moody? Because that is not the Christian walk. That is not the Christian life that we want to sell. I believe that we need to live a life of honour, respect, joy, love, peace and hope. And it's the greatest example that you and I can be. So this morning, I just want to reiterate the three things that we can do to be people of hope. The first one is stay connected to Jesus. Two, speak hope into every situation and every season that you are going through. And the third one is to live a life being an example of hope. So I want to give the opportunity. I know that there are people who are watching our live stream, who are watching throughout New South Wales, who are watching throughout Australia and who have been watching throughout the world. And it has been mind-blowing to hear the people who have actually tuned into our live stream. And I know that there are a lot of my friends, a lot of people within our church who they are going through so much right now. And I know that there are unsaved people who are watching this stream this morning. So this morning, if you don't know this hope that I've been talking about, the life giver, the joy, the peace, the hope in every situation, I want to give you an opportunity to start a relationship with the God of hope. So if that's you this morning, wherever you are, maybe not while you're driving the car, But if you're in your living room this morning, if you're in your bedroom, wherever you are this morning, I'm going to pray a prayer. And if you want to make that decision to know the God of hope that I know, why don't you repeat it after me this morning? Heavenly Father, I thank you for this life that Jesus sacrificed on the cross for me. Today I ask for your forgiveness. As I leave my old life and I choose to follow you, 
Jesus, fill me with your love, your joy, your peace, your hope as I serve you forever. Amen. Well, there's a little video and then Ben's going to jump back up. If you are new or have made a decision to follow Jesus, we'd love for you to head to our website, citychurchau.com. Scroll down to the I'm new or follow Jesus tab. Once you click on that, a form will appear. Fill out your name, your email and a message and send it off. Once we get this, one of our staff will contact you about the decision you have made and how to best follow you up from here.